Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good morning all. Thank you so much for coming in the rain. You know how we say we worship God through the rain and through the fire. So today was a real test of that for some of you. Thank you so much choir. Put your hands together. real test of that so we came through the rain so now we can stand among those who came through the rain worship God in the rain <laughs> there's a God who loves us we serve a God who bears record of us those of you online great to have you as well in church I wish we can turn the camera around and just say hello to you all of us but let's give them a clap and a shout can you hear us? Sometimes we just act as if we're just disconnected from you guys. We're actually really in the same fellowship, you know. So thank you for giving us your space, allowing us into your family room, into your current space, and allowing us to minister to you. And some of you are going to watch this online right after. God bless you as well. This morning we're going to share on He Restores My Soul. He Restores My Soul. The scripture we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The Lord God planted a garden east in Eden, and he put a man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Two purposes, good for the eyes and good for food. You know, sometimes we feel like eye candy is sin, but right here in the Bible, God made a tree that was beautiful. Beauty is not evil. You understand? You know how we try to think like everything has to be ugly before it's holy? It's not true. God himself, when at the very beginning, he planted the garden in the east of Eden, and there were two considerations in his, in his mind for the trees he was planting. One, that is good for the sight. It's good to, another translation says, everything that is beautiful. God thought about beauty from the very start. And then also number two, good for food. That which is to nourish a man. That which is supposed to make beauty, celebration, enjoyment. And that which is supposed to bring delight to his soul. So God thought about your mind, your mental well-being in creating beauty for you. He wanted your life to be beautiful. God doesn't want us necessarily to have a hard life. The fact that we... The fact that we Go through the world doesn't necessarily mean that our lives must be painful before it brings glory to God. No, God actually makes broken things beautiful. He brings 
beauty for ashes. He takes the ugliest and turns it into beauty. That's what he delights in. God doesn't delight in the fact that things are so broken and messed up because there's some something in our theology soon getting to the point when we feel like because God is shaking everything, only the broken things reflect God. This is not true. Let's not get to that point when we feel like only broken things reflect God. This is not true. It's not true. God actually rejoices to restore everything. So let's start this morning by, by deconstructing. You know, part of our learning this season is how to deconstruct because there are so many things people believe, so many ideas that we have come to learn, even in the church, that we're beginning to learn that is wrong the way we learned it. So when we come to God, the first thing we must learn is to deconstruct the things that we believe and then begin to rebuild again new things in the light of present truth of what God is speaking to us. So let us talk about the things that will deplete you. There are some things that will deplete you. But let's talk about five ways in which the world depletes you. Because if we're talking about the restoration of the soul, then it means that what is being restored is something that was taken from us. It means we lost something. In our normal existence of life, we lose some things. We lose grace. We lose incense. We lose power. We lose favor. We lose that sweetness that God intends for every person on earth to have. And when we lose all these things, God now begins to come back to restore. But before we can be restored, we have to understand what are the things that actually deplete us? What are the things in the world that make us to be reduced to that point when we don't know anymore who we are or what God wants to do. Number one thing that depletes us is to think that the world will satisfy you. We keep running after the world thinking that there's something in the world to satisfy us. We keep thinking that if we change location, we keep thinking that if we change the job, of course there are better jobs than other jobs. Of course there are better countries than other countries. Of course there are better uh, friends than other friends. I'm not, I'm not kicking that. Some people are bad friends. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. And sometimes you need to change friends. Yeah. So I'm not kicking that, right? <laughs> Am I saying something so strange? All of you guys look at me straight like, hey, get to the point, get to the point. What is it? <laughs> to think that the world will satisfy you is one of the ways the world depletes you. It keeps you on this race of a job to have, 
of a place to travel to, of a position to attain, of a standard to achieve, of a place to get to. You keep on running and running and running and running and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. And guess what is happening? Your soul is petering out. So let's take this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. 1 Peter 1, 24. So we're going to read a few scriptures. If you can put your Bible near. First Peter 1.24 It would be nice if you actually read it from the congregation for a change. If you find it, you read it. Before we switch PowerPoint, I want you guys to be reading the scripture. So, no scriptures on PowerPoint, scripture from your Bible. So, First Peter 1.24 <laughs> I'm sorry if that took you by surprise. I want to read in your Bible because you have, there's something called secondary illumination. As you're reading from your own Bible, God will begin to speak to you even in the verse before, the verse after. Yeah. Who found it? Can you read it for us? Because, from 24, right? Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers falls away. So, one of the ways the world depletes us is to not realize that the glory of the earth is grass. God came to Isaiah and said, cry! And Isaiah said, what shall I cry? He said, cry that all flesh is grass. This is actually quoting from that Isaiah scripture. And the glory of man like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. Right now it's raining. If you go outside, all the plants will be green. Come back in October. In fact, this same flower, come back next week. The one that is in full bloom, just dry out. The flower fades. The world will deplete you. The second way the world depletes us is to tell us to get rich or die trying. This is a 50 cent quote. Oh, pastor, you know 50 cent. Of course I read this book, The 50th Law, written together with Robert Greene. I read... And when I read, I wear my thinking heart because I know that it's mixed lies and truth. And the hypothesis of, 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 and the hypothesis of 50 Cent is this. It says the biggest diseases in the world have been conquered. This was before Corona. So God wanted to embarrass him real quick. He said the biggest diseases, there will be never be epidemics like the influenza epidemic. He actually wrote it. Go and read the 50th law. Sorry, don't read it. It's too late. <laughs> what is out? <laughs> so the, the biggest fears of mankind have been conquered. That man has lived by fear. This, that is true because it's always mixed true and lies. And that back in those days, men, I shared it with Manuel, right? Did you read it? Okay. <laughs> so since back in those days, the biggest things that drowned mankind were big fears of epidemic or nations taking over nations. And that our modern world is actually way more blessed than the people who lived thousands of years ago because man was on a destructive quest. So there's only one objective, obtain some notoriety. Let people know you're notorious. Go and be involved in a place where you almost kill somebody. Let them know that they cannot, you cannot be messed up with. 
Get some blood on your hands. Be dark and feared. You need to be feared. You cannot just be loved. You also need to be feared. And when people fear you, they know how not to mess up with your money. So that's, and then anything along your path in the way to getting money, knock it down. Knock it down. Come like a bull, like a wild hyena, charge towards your goal. Be fearless. Of course you should be fearless, but there is reasons for fearlessness drops because at the end, when you have gotten rich, you'll be depleted in your soul. Like whatever the cost, the hustle is the only way. You must suffer to get anywhere. Nobody cares. Grind harder. How many of you have heard that? Nobody cares. Grind harder. A friend of mine posted it on her status. I wrote her immediately, I care. Please grind softer. There is this whole thing about the hustle. There's this whole thing about the pursuit. Just do it. Nike. It's all over the world. Everywhere you read, it's just there. Don't, don't let up. Don't stop. Just grind, drive, pursue. The Bible says, What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That guy sang, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. To be Mark, right? Oh, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Who's going to read that for us? Someone got it? Yes, please pass the mic. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in abundance of possessions. Watch out. Watch out. Beware of covetousness. For the man's life does not consist on the abundance of things that he possesses. Does it mean that we don't need money? You know you need money to pay school fees. You know you need money to drive a car. But watch out. And this story came from two brothers who were fighting over inheritance. After parents die, you know even in Africa it's a big deal. The senior brother has right of first in refusal, but all the other siblings, I couldn't believe that this kind of thing can happen even in my own family. Sorry, you know, I use myself. So nobody is going to say I told their own stories myself. And my brothers and my wife and my children, I go and beg them at home later. My, heart, my dad had this shagari Mercedes Benz when he died, this flat boot. And one of my brothers just thought it was such a big deal. I told him, bro, you're a man, go and work. And he was looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? This is my chance. And dude, you're number four, number five. Do you understand? Your sisters who are senior to you didn't ask for it. Calm down. You have elder brothers. They're not asking for the Mercedes. Couldn't wait. Shaking body. <laughs> Do you know that if you're not up to a car, you will not drive the car, the car will drive you. You have to grow capacity up to a car. People don't know this. People don't know this. If they give you a car, you're not up to a car, you come back to trekking, and the car will put you in debt. 
before you start trekking again. So, after taking the car for three months, I called him one day and asked him, hey dude, how is the car? You know the story, I leave it here. <laughs> it's parked in one mechanic village with him, dented for 250k or something like that. He's 250k poorer than when he started. <laughs> that whatever, whenever we get to that point, that material things are involved. Do you know these are the practical things of Christianity that makes even prophets, even mighty men of God, to lose it, to miss it, that you know God so fresh and so real. But in, this, in these basic things, this is where we fail. This is where we fail. To think that anything will make you to think that that man who is standing in front of you is the one to make you. To think that that situation will make or break you. I have walked away from million dollar business after million dollar business because the people thought they were going to make me. They were going to make me. Are you jealous for God in your life? Are you jealous for what God wants to make out of you? Are you crazy about what God wants to do inside of you? Or do you believe the lie that you should get rich or die trying? That is a lie. And that's one of the ways you can be depleted. Number three, wrong feelings. One of the ways the devil persecutes us is by feeling wrong. It's by feeling wrong. You come to an atmosphere that's supposed to bless you, but a wrong feeling catches you. You come among a group of friends who are supposed to be good towards you, but a wrong feeling catches you. A wrong emotion take hold of you. Jealousy, anger, resentment, bitterness, thinking you should be the one catches you. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 to 21. Who is going to have that scripture? Galatians 5, 20. You know you're going to be turning your scriptures today. So, yes, please. Pass the mic back. idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the likes, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wrong emotions, wrong feelings, jealousies, angers. Why can't pastors walk together? Jealousy. Why can't, even men of God, why can't they walk together? You think that this man is just so talented. You try to go near some men of God, they feel so insecure. Uh, just separate your work from my work. You know, one pastor said to another pastor, I don't share worship ministers. I'm very jealous over my people. Like, you own them. Jealousy, anger, fear, negativity. And then, guess what it leads us to? 
we start creating blockades. We start creating what? Cults. We start blocking people. You know how many block? Block. Block. I'll save you. Block. You comment, I block you. You, you did say, I block you. You shout, I block you. <laughs> you. Any negative comment, I block you. No negative vibes around me. Block, block, block. We block whatever does not serve us. I serve you the block. Wrong feelings will deplete you. There are people God has sent to you to bless you. If you are envious of them, you will never be able to partner with them. There are people who are supposed to elevate you. If you, if you hate them, you are hating the wrong, you are, you are hating like you are hating the wrong, the wrong person you should hate. Love. Love restores you. Wrong feelings depletes you. By the time you go home, you feel all sorts of ways. You feel all sorts of ways. By the time you are done with some people, you feel so bad. And of course, some people actually bring it on. They load it onto you, to be honest. You know, they treat you bad. They slight you in a very passive-aggressive way. You can see it coming, but it's not yet fully mature. So you can't talk about it. I mean, I mean if you know that kind of, yeah, that game where they don't say, they, they are rude towards you, but they don't say. So you have nothing to hold, especially the British people, they master that art of hating you coldly with a smile. Good morning. How may I be of help to you? All lies. They hate you. They can't stand you. Those wrong feelings deplete you. Number four. The thought that you are a self-made man or woman. Anyone who tries to do it by themselves have to be strong to carry problems by themselves, to carry challenges by themselves, to carry the hard part of the road by themselves. That thing finishes you on the inside. That desire to be the Lord and Master, to carry every problem and say, I've heard many people say, I'm a pragmatic guy. I take my problems head on. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in righteousness. I don't believe in all this religion. Religion removes people's brain. Have you heard people say that? That religion reduces people? Now, my goodness, like, you feel like you can carry your problems by yourself? Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Let's read it from the Bible. How Jeremiah? James, sorry. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Who has it? Thank you, Mrs. Bill. Mike. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. First one we spoke about. This is so related to the first one we spoke about. It says your life is like a little fog. You are grace made. 
You are, you, are, you are bought with a price. You don't exist for yourself. You're not the owner of yourself. You're not the capacity bringer of yourself. So stop lying to a self-made man. If you are honest with yourself, every degree you got, every door that opened, everything that opened was the grace of God. If you are honest with yourself, you, you will see the hand of God in you learning that new trade, in you learning that new career. If you are honest with yourself, you see God opening that door. You are not self-made. You are made by grace. You are made by grace. You are made by the grace of God and someone here this morning needs to embrace the fact that the grace of God made you you did not make yourself there are no self-made men or women it's a lie and anyone who tries it tell them they are liars a certain young lady in this city of Lagos did a self-made woman conference three years ago or four years three years ago and invited 5,000 young women and said, I'm a self-made woman. The only problem is that three or four months later after the conference, she was found pregnant by a male sponsor. And in the conference, she said to all the young women, do not let any man no man needs to sleep with you before you make any money. As you see me like this, I've never touched any man for money. I'm a self-made woman. And all the girls were clapping like, wow. Only very soon her boyfriend was revealed. And having been the queen of all rumor bearers in Nigeria, her rumor got rumored. There is no self-made person. We are made by grace. Say, I am made by grace. One of the ways you can get depleted real quick is for you not to acknowledge the grace of God. Don't acknowledge that God is the one working in your life. Don't acknowledge that every little progress you made was the progress of the Spirit of God. Finally, one of the things that depletes us is sin. Sin is a minus. Anyone who opens the door to sin, anyone who continues to habitually sin, anyone who continues to have personal failure, who makes a habit of personal failure, anyone who stays in that place begins to suffer from the consequence of sin. You have Genesis 4-7? Who has it? Okay, thank you. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but, but you must rule over it. Don't, if you do any time you are doing what is right, you will be accepted. Anytime you are doing what God wants, you will be accepted. You feel the heavens say, yes, our daughter, yes. You feel the heavens say, yes, son of God, when you're doing what is right. But if you don't do what is right, guess what? Sin is crouching at your door. It's crouching at your door, waiting to master you. Waiting to master you. Waiting to bounce on you. I had a friend called Anselm a long time ago. And I called Anselm one day after we've left and touched. You know those secondary school friends? who you lie down on the bed and just gist together into the night. How many of you had those? Oh my goodness, some of you are not friendly at all. You never had secondary school friend where you can gist. And especially 
if you guys connect on spiritual level on godly things there's one friend of mine eh, high sent oh my god we used to dream together we lie down you tell me his dreams i tell him my dreams castles in the sky <laughs> most of the dreams <laughs> right Anselm, my friend i called him one day i said Anselm, where are you he said my brother i'm broken i said what broke you he said my brother is sin i know god i know god doesn't want me to walk this path but i walked a path that god doesn't want me to walk i lost everything i lost my business i lost my joy i lost my sanity sin is a minus my goodness how much does it cost to buy a bottle of hennessy how much does it cost to keep giving your money to strange women how much does it cost to be drunk how much does it cost to do one night spending spree how much does it cost sin is expensive pastor fred like we're good man <laughs> for, for real like we don't have those expenses you don't buy energy before in cotton <laughs> like like for real it depletes you it depletes you so you rejoice well does a guy had a guy shout on the phone why you give him that drink why you give him that drink i say what like oh god if he drink the drink you can get another he say no i bought it for half a million naira from uk why you give him that drink the guy was getting frustrated <laughs> you bought a drink for half a million naira that's the school fees of one of my daughters per quarter Sin is expensive. He's in the people. This prodigal son burnt up all he had. It depletes you. And if you feel like it's not money, it takes from you. It takes your very life blood itself. It takes your soul. I met in one of our outreaches. I met one of the women of easy virtue in that place where we went behind. Uh, the one uh, behind, in front of Twin Towers. When I went to outreach, I met the lady. I said to her, what's your name? She told me her name. I said, would you come with me to church? God has come for you today. She said to me, I would like to. But you, you don't want people like me in your church. I said, I said, I want, I hugged her. She said, nobody has ever hugged me except they wanted sex. You don't want people like me in your church. I said, we want. She said, no, you don't understand. I'm broken. And if you see her stretch marks, big stretch marks, her body dropping. After all the years that sin stole from her. Is she not a victim? Is she not a victim of sin? Is she blessed by sin? Is she blessed by that life? She said she was trying to make money. But sin takes from you. One of the ways our soul gets depleted is continuous touching sin, indulgence in sin. You take that money, you take that money. After a while, you become a debtor. And the day they out you, everybody say, wow, what man can be trusted? This man of God has been stealing money in the office. And that day, it seems so strange. 
that everything you built for so many years, sin depletes you. So some of you must cry out to God, Lord, there is this sinful habit remaining inside of me. Porn depletes you. Pornography desensitizes you up to a point when you see your spouse, you're no more interested in them. Sin is a minus. Anselm said to me as he was crying, he said, this sin has taken everything away from me. I'm a broken man because I knew the commandments of God and I didn't walk in them. So before we talk about what restores us, we know what takes us away. That, that whole thing that we can do it by ourselves. That whole thing that you should get rich or die trying. That whole thing of the fact that you're a self-made person. That whole thing of the fact that the world will satisfy you. These things take away from you. Sin is a minus. Look at the original plan in Eden. That's where we read as we started this message this morning. God planted a garden in Eden and there he put the tree that was supposed to bless man. This tree was supposed to, the whole garden of Eden was conditioned so conducive for man. Everything obeyed him. The animals obeyed him. Do you understand? The sheep obeyed him. Adam gathered everything and whatever Adam called the name of that thing, that was the name of that thing. Adam was so creative that whatever Adam did was so, so beautiful and intelligent. There was no eroding of the grace. There was power and capacity. There was ease. There was daily fellowship with the Spirit of God. In the Garden of Eden, God will come in the cool of the day and say, Adam, what's up? the same I don't know what Adam called God Pastor Richie said he said the G <laughs> you're such a relationship in the garden of Eden and that's actually what we should be longing for back to the beginning how it was what we lost at Eden is supposed to be restored now in Christ so I just want you guys to hear this message. I don't want to do a lot of shouting. I just want it to be like something that you really, really deeply think about. God wants to restore you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring you back. God wants to offer you grace this morning. Say amen. God wants to bring the most intelligent part of you back. God wants to take you back to the original blueprint and bring you back to the fullness. This is how, these are five ways God restores us. God doesn't just leave us where the world depleted us. He begins to bring us back. I love that song by Corey Asprey. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You know, it's Father's Day today. I understand that thing. I think it's Jerry Danielsuf of the tribe of Buja that posted it. He's his father for the first time. He just had his first baby girl about last month. And he posted that 
Oh, he saw himself singing over his daughter. So he carried his daughter and said, he's singing. Then the, this song hit him. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good. And that the guy wrote it from that place off as a father singing over a baby. Before you spoke one word, your dad, your mom was singing over you. See that joy. I'm sure you did it to your babies, right? Say the truth now. <laughs> I did. They're all gone to teen church now, the ones who are here. Well, they wouldn't know. But before they ever, no one of my daughters that before they spoke a word that I wasn't singing to them. And even when they started speaking, my songs were the first songs we sang. They learned songs from me first before they heard any other song. Of course, I played music for them, but the songs they sang were the songs I taught them. Like we had our own family uh, composition. Like I come out, I just wondering what I'm going to do with them. I just start singing. Only the stars can shine tonight. Only the stars can shine. Only the stars can shine tonight. No moon, no moon, no moon. Sing it to any one of my children now. They will be singing it like, like their own song. I was singing over them. The one whose name is Onahi, I just, say, I just had a song in my tribe I sang. Onahi Nyohe, Javo Kola, Onahi Nyohe, Olobabaka. Just kept singing. Onahi Nyohe. That's the most popular song in my house. Javo Kola, Since the mazes of God, how awesome is this? It never has an end. I saw that girl like the mercy, the hand of God. I sang it over her. Before, before you were able to actually know who you are, there was your maker singing over you. Do you know your love by God? The earth is broken. It's true. Many bad things will happen on the earth to you. It's true. But guess what? Don't let it for one day make you doubt the love of God. God loves you. God loves you. Say, He loves me. He loves me. I cannot say why. He loves me. I cannot say why. On Calvary's tree, He suffered for me. He loves me. I cannot say why. Sing it together. He loves me. He loves me. I cannot say why. He loves me. I cannot say why. On Calvary's tree, He suffered for me. He loves me. I cannot say why. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You love me. I bless you. Lift up your hands this morning. Lift up your hands this morning and say thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for your love. 
Mendo Shekradosta Mahaya, Le Krastomosikaya, Inga Jalabradosta, the one who restores my soul, the one who redeems me from death, the one who restores me when I'm broken, the one who speaks over me when I feel like I'm messed up, the one who brings me back from the brink, the one who gives me life again, the one who satisfies my soul with good things, and the one who renews my youth like the eagle. You are my God, and I declare your love. Thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. On Calvary's tree, you suffered for me. You love me, I cannot say. The first way God restores us, number one, is to make us a son. He wants to make you a son. If God wants you to restore, to be restored, one of the ways he does is make a son out of you. He gives you understanding. He gives you a purpose. He gives you conformity to his will. Romans chapter 8, verse 20, like the song you guys sang today, beautiful song about the love of God. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 29. It says, if we're sons, we're heirs. Who has found it? Romans 8. You don't want to read for us. Romans 8. Have you found it? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also predest he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what does this mean? It means that God saw your character ahead of the time when you got here. He foreknew how you're going to be. He knows you're going to have the spirit of Jacob, not the spirit of Esau. So when God says, Esau I love, Esau I hate, Jacob I love, people wonder like, why? So God is in his foreknowledge. Esau is not the person, Jacob is not the person. These are icons in the spirit. So you behave like Esau, you become an Esau person. You behave like Jacob, you become a Jacob person. So God hates the spirit of Esau. That spirit that, that throws away every special thing. That doesn't put honor on the things of God. That's the spirit of Esau. And God loves the spirit of Jacob. The spirit that runs after spiritual things. The spirit that desires God. That hankers for God. That hungers after righteousness. That's the spirit of Jacob. So that's what he means. So whom God did for no, he begins to arrange for you to become a son. As God sees that Aide's heart is continuously after him. He begins to say, this is my son. As God begins to see that your, act, act, your actions begin to line up, before you even came, God foreknew you already. Many of you, you've tried to run back to the world. Can I ask you, how market? You enjoy it. Some of us were so far gone in God, so lost that we'll be useless to the world. Imagine me in a nightclub. 
<laughs> were the ones who, when they, when they start singing, I heard a secret singer called that David played as a please the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the tears that come into you, down your eyes because you're thinking of another hallelujah, <laughs> not, not the ones they're talking about. I don't know what songs they play in nightclub this and right now. Like Les Bonaboy, I don't know which one do they play? P Square. No, not P Square. Uh, David. Okay, all of you guys don't know too. Okay. I challenge you, I challenge you to go to nightclub now. If you go, guess what will be playing inside your heart? Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. You will be hearing. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. You know, you're saturated. <laughs> you're useless to the world. That's how God does it. He crafts a son out of you. He writes it into your DNA. The way he restores you is by making you to know him intimately. It's to remove the desire and the sweetness of the world from you. It's to make a son out of you. So your desires, what makes your blood boil, what makes you excited are the things of God. That's how God makes you to enter into restoration. You ask, how does God restore you? He makes a son out of you. Remember Galatians chapter 4 says, a heir, even though he's the master of all, he's not different from a servant, but remains under tutors and governors on, until the time appointed of the father. But when the fullness of time has come, God makes that son into a son. God makes the son into a son. Whom he did for no, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he may become the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is the firstborn son of God, but you are also a son of God. Lift up your hands and say, I am a son. You have understanding. Say, I have understanding. Say, I have conformity. Say, I have the Father's business at my heart. What the Father wants is what I want. The desire of God is my desire. What God wants to build is what I want to build. What God wants to do is what I want to do. I am a son. Say it, I am a son. Hallelujah, you are the son of God. That's one of the ways God, if God wants to restore you, he doesn't send billions of dollars to your account. He makes a son out of you. And all of a sudden you begin to know yourself. And all of a sudden the things that hurt you don't hurt you anymore. All of a sudden the things that, are ang that brings anxiety inside of you begins to reduce in your eyes. All of a sudden you become focused on other things. That's how God makes a son out of you. Amen. Oh, you guys are not rejoicing at this word, but I know this is the word of God for someone today. I know some of you will take this into your home and make war with this word. I know that some of you, when the devil comes to lie to you, you can shout it out. I am a son. I am a son of God. Number two thing, God wants you to walk from rest. Walk from rest. Walk from rest. God finished his works. You know, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 to 3. Who's going to read for us? Hebrews 4, 1 to 3. Walk from rest. He 
is almost like a Bible study, you know. <laughs> I just want you to really understand. I don't want to preach today. I just want to just teach this. You have, you have it? Yes. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. God actually finished the work from the foundation of the world, so why do we need to do any work? Actually, God doesn't want people, God doesn't want workers. That's one of the difficulties I had to show people that there's no workforce in Ecclesia Hills. We don't have workforce. You don't have to be a worker. You just have to be inspired to do something for God. I want everyone to move by internal inspiration. Now, that's very difficult because people like you to say, all the ushers go left, all the choir members go right, all the men go this. So, do you understand? People love that. But guess what? God finished the work. God finished the work of salvation. And he gave us an opportunity and said, okay, I've finished the work. Come and participate in the work I'm doing. So you must be inspired by yourself to say, God, in our father's business, what am I going to do? But not work. So you work from the place of knowing that the soul that is going to be saved, God already saved that soul. You work, from, you work in your business from knowing that the money you're going to have, God already gave you the money. You work from the place where you know that you're already rich before you made the cobble. You work from the place where you have revelation of who, what God has done before you start. Before you start a degree, you know that you're finished. Before you start an enterprise, you know that it's finished from the beginning of the world. God wants you to... You know, it's like watching a match. How many of you watched... Um, which one was the most popular match in the last two weeks? I think it's the one where somebody passed away. The Danish match. Okay. <laughs> See, everybody's correcting me now. Now I know that you watched it, really. <laughs> you get to say he didn't die. Like, everybody knows exactly what happened. Now I know that you guys watched it, really. Because when I was saying, oh, look, I was keeping straight face. Then I lied about it. Then everybody said, yeah, he didn't die. <laughs> church people like <laughs> that was the most popular match right imagine watching the replay of that match you know that the man did not die now you know but everything if you're watching it now for the first time you think like did he die all those people blocking so that they will not cameras not catch him what happened what happened you'd be wondering that's actually how it happens when God has finished his work and we're only just getting a revelation, it's like a replay of what has happened in the heavenlies. Before anything happens on the earth, it has happened in the heavenlies. You know, in the heavens, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Like every blessing you're ever going to need, is already in heavenly places. And I call, download it. Lord, download it. Hallelujah. 
God wants you to walk from rest. Receive your rest today. Receive the ability to build by grace. Receive the ability to design by holy intelligence. Carry out your task with divine ease. Yeah. God asks only for one labor. In this whole scripture, it says, the labor to enter my rest. Labor. It says there's a promise remaining that people of the world will walk by my rest. Fear. Least you enter into a place where you begin to walk by works. Labor so that you can find that access into my rest. And in my rest, you walk from there. I can tell you, I passed off from rest. I passed off from rest. People ask me all the time, oh, you're in, you're in Benue today, you're in Worry tomorrow, you're in this, guess what? I'm still going. I'm still going. Yesterday, I was opening the sickle cell center in Surulere. I'm still opening place. I went to Ibadan two weeks ago to open another center. Like, God, we are doing things. We're doing this. We're doing things. We're doing things. And guess what? I'm not tired. I'm not depleted. I'm good. I'm good. Why? Because I'm only doing what God is already doing. God is empowering people. God is empowering systems. God is building things. God is tearing up hearts. And guess what? We do only what God has finished. So we walk from rest. Will it be strenuous? Yes. Will it be difficult? Yes. But don't forget, God will give you capacity. So that you do something difficult as if it wasn't difficult. God will give you a formula so that the keys for engaging that difficult process will be from a divine formula. There are formulas. Like if you try to add, have you many of you have done physical calculation by your hand? 4,726 times 6,700 and this thing. How many of you have tried it with your hands? You know, mental math. Some people are very good in this mental math. Like, you know, they don't, you know, like someone like Shano is so good at mental math. Chano, do you want to try some numbers for us? <laughs> so, 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 like, honestly, some people are just so good. Have you seen those uh, debate, uh, those uh, competitions? This is, they give them a number, 0.47 times AX. I'm like, what's AX looking inside numbers? <laughs> and they answer it, oh, it's f- uh, five raised to the power of 12, like, Okay. It doesn't change my life. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> but guess what? Those mathematical formulas are, are the things where people who are masters use to ease out quadratic graph, simultaneous equation, Boolean algebra, all these complex parallelograms and complex science is unnerved by formulas. What you may think is very difficult for you, someone else with a formula will just crack it in no time. My brother, Stephen, was a wheeze. My, my cousin, Stephen, he's a wheeze. He's now in Canada. Sorry, that's not the point of the story. He went to University of Justice to study physics. He goes to school with a small Jota like this. Everything inside that jota is what? Formulas. We are carrying heavy books. Medical students are carrying heavy books that will break their back. Steve goes to, all he has is a book of formulas. He said that this course is the simplest course. I'm like, what? 
ease. Say ease. Say ease. Enter to rest. One of the ways God restores you is ease. He gives you the formula for life. He gives you the formula for life. He gives you the keys for life. So when somebody's trying to trigger you, you just hear something inside yourself. People used to say like, oh, you're so good-hearted. You're so naive. I know, I told you the other day about some people who were laughing at themselves and said, ah, Pastor Mo, so simple. You know what I mean? So stupid. But I have the grace for ease. I have the grace for not taking things in a hurtful place. I have a grace for navigating the difficult curves of life. I pray that grace upon every one of you today. Enter into rest. Receive heavenly formulas for your work. Receive grace and wisdom. Receive strategy from the presence of God. Receive divine intelligence to do complex things with ease. Receive that ability from God to run into your world and to build business with ease and to challenge systems with ease and to design new levels of life with ease in the name of Jesus Christ. For this grace has all of God's people. Amen. We walk from rest. Number three thing God does is healing for our soul. So I had a friend who lost her dad. And I didn't really check up on her. So one day my dad died. And then after I finished grieving, I now understood what she went through. So I went back to Aberdeen and I called her and said, Oh, so this is what you went through. She started laughing. Like you just said, I'm sorry about the loss of your dad. And that's it, right? But I told her, come. Come and have a drink with me. And then in the drink, I gave her a long hug, as usual, right? By a long hug. And I said to her, may the Lord heal you. May the Lord be oil. May the Lord be soothing balms for your injury. May the Lord take away that pain you feel. Because now, I've tasted the pain. I know what it's like. To lose a parent and sometimes some of us are still grieving we're still grieving one of the ways God restores us is to heal us is to heal us Daniel chapter 10 verse 19 Daniel chapter 10 verse 19 I pray for the strengthening words of God today Daniel chapter 10 verse 19 who has it And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. I, I want us to pray. I just had the, I just felt a nudge this morning for, to pray over people who have lost someone, physically lost someone in the last one year. And it seems like they have moved and everything is now okay. But I want us to pray over those people right now. So if you're here, you lost anyone in your family, just wave. Just wave. Yeah, please. Yes, please wave. And those of you, wave again. Those of you, look around and see the people who are nearest to you. Wave around. Look and 
I want us to pray over these people. Go and lay your hands on them. And let's pray over them. Let's pray over them. Let's pray over them. Let's pray over them. Grieving is not, is not a one-day thing. Grieving is a journey. Just pray God's healing power. Just pray God's healing grace. Just pray God's restoration on them. Father, thank you because you are a healer. Thank you because you take away the pain. According to the word you gave me, you said that you will wipe away pain from somebody's heart today. You will bring healing. You will bring restoration. You will bring redemption. You will bring oil, oh God. So Lord, this morning we declare as a church of God that your healing power will come upon your sons and daughters in the name of Jesus. Father, they lost their parent, they lost the brother, they lost a nephew, they lost their niece, they lost someone in their family. We pray for healing. And those of you watching online, we speak the healing of God upon you. For whoever you lost in your family, we declare the grace of God on you. We declare the power of God on you. We declare the restoration of God on you. We declare that oh, the soothing balm from the presence of God will touch your heart. We declare that God will touch you, touch you from the inside and make you feel what it's like to pass through humanity that he understands he understands the brokenness of humanity and he has come with healing for you today I speak the healing of God and the restoration of God may the Lord heal you may the Lord lay his hands on you may the Lord be a source of strength for you may the Lord restore you may the Lord bring grace upon you in the name of Jesus Christ Father we ask the Holy Spirit to visit this once oh God. Visit them once again. Now they have to pick up the pieces and move on oh God. And everybody acts like it's normal now. It's all over now oh God. But they can't move on oh God. Father give them grace oh God. Give them encouragement. You spoke your words and your words strengthened Daniel. So I speak over these words, your own very words. Let your words strengthen them and let them stand in the strength of your word, oh God. Thank you because you are the one who heals. You are the one who heals us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all the church said, Amen. I am the God that he led you I am the Lord your healer I sent my word and I heal your disease I am the Lord your healer healing for our soul healing for our mind some of us is a relationship we're lost some of us, the friendship were lost. Some of us, the business were lost. Something on the inside of you. If you lost anything this year, let's pray over you again. Just sick in your body, sick in your mind, sick in your intellect, sick in your soul. You have a mental health challenge. It's time for us to pray for you. We speak the healing of God. We speak the presence of God. We speak the restoration of God. He restores your soul. He restores your soul. He restores your soul. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There are two more. 
Number four, he gives strength, he increases your power. But I'm going to join Paul to five, the fellowship of the Spirit, and we'll round up here. The fellowship of the Spirit. God wants fresh winds. This is what I heard. I'm bringing you fresh winds. I'm bringing you the fragrance of heaven. Amen. I want you to come and tune your heart. Come and find fulfillment in me. Come. Come. First John chapter 1 verse 3. Let's read it. First John chapter 1 verse 3. Hallelujah. Who has found it? That's John 1, 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And another scripture says, The fellowship may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's something the Holy Spirit does. It comes to live around us. It comes to bring grace around us. One of the ways God restores us is by bringing the fellowship of the Spirit. Because the Bible says, when the Spirit of truth is come, He will not speak of Himself. We speak of the Son, speak of the Father. He will show you the Father. He will testify of me. God wants to bring fellowship with your Spirit. God wants your Spirit to come in fellowship with His Spirit. These are the things that restores us. Every other thing is our work for God. You know, other things are us preaching is our work for God. Every other thing is our, is our activity for God. Is our moving on behalf of God. Is our prophecy on behalf of God. But guess what? God also gives us something. And today I'm about what God gives to us as we worship Him. What is it that a believer has that the unbeliever will not have? Is the fellowship of the Spirit. Is that you have the abiding presence of God to tell you how to navigate life. Is that God did not abandon you to do life by yourself and do it in your own way. And He gives you something. And He gives you a presence. And from time to time you feel Him nearby. You hear His voice. Like what He gave to Adam in the Garden of Eden. In the cool of the day, God will come and tell Adam, and sometimes when we wake up, we do hear this. I mean, if you have heard this before, would you like to pray today? Would you like to be with me today? Don't you think you should quieten the noise and go to that dark room by yourself? How many of you have heard this before? The voice of the Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit. And, and, and you're going through the day and you're just hearing things. Start touching the Spirit of God. How many of you have been told before, I love you? Like, God, I love you. I've loved you from the very start. But when you didn't know me, I wanted you. You're mine. Amen. 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 The Holy Spirit just wants to give someone fellowship this morning. A warm hug of the Spirit of God. A knowledge of the presence of God. A knowledge of the, of the, of the atmosphere of God this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Receive the fellowship of the Spirit. Amen. Yes, God wants excellence from your life. Yes, God wants you to work hard, but He wants you to know that He's the one to work it in you. He's the one to work it in you. Pray against deception that drives men to a breaking point and depletes people. 
pray against the spirits of this age that tells you that you are the God of yourself. You hear it from Oprah over and over again. Only you can make yourself. Only you. After a while, you now start thinking like, ah, maybe I'm a weak human being. Or maybe I'm a useless. Maybe I'm a rubbish human being. No, that's not what God calls you. You're strong. You're loved. You belong to him. You are able. You have capacity. You have ability in the name of Jesus. He will be with you. Do you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? You remember this scripture? He restores my soul exactly from verse, verse 2 of, of Psalm 23. The Lord, let's shout it out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What's the next thing he says? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I miss that part where you say, you anoint my head with oil. Yeah. Again, so this is scripture. This is not actually a recitation. It's actually a declaration. You restore. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want you restore my soul when the world depletes me. You restore my soul when the hardness of nature and men and the brokenness of the world captures me. You restore my soul. Hallelujah. Let's have communion together. Hallelujah. Mashtakurayanostema. You restore my soul. You restore my soul. You restore my soul. You heal my body. Let's pray this morning. You heal my body. You heal my mind. You heal my brokenness. You bring your life around me. So I thank you, my God, for you are my restorer. Speak to him this Thanks morning. for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.